When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. We stream live on YouTube. We on Facebook. And, of course, I am your host, Will. Skywalker still. Boom! What's up, y'all? Coming up today, we are picking up our State of the Unit series. We're doing a deep dive into the tight end group and why there shouldn't be so much emotional angst at the position. And then in the roundup, I think I might have found my favorite nugget quote whatever you want to call it, of the offseason. And if you've been following this show for months, maybe for the last couple of seasons, you'll know why. So stick around for that. And it came from Jerry Jones, believe it or not. So how much do you really believe in what Jerry says? But I don't think he was saying anything intentionally. So I'm going to do a little bit of uh, digging and reading between the lines. And and I think he dropped this, this major development by accident. So make sure y'all stick around. For that, plus you can call into the call in line 351-999-3787 is the call in line post of the nation hotline. Make sure y'all come through and let's wrap about today's show. We'll be talking about and focusing on the Cowboys tight ends. Now, I'm a little jealous because our I was going to say brethren, but really it's our parent company, A to Z Sports Nashville, right? They get a chance to be at the OTAs and 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 interact with with the players and literally film the players at practice because man, it's the Titans. You know, no one really cares. I mean, I mean, look, 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 look. Salute to Zach and Austin, but I don't know that they they you know a little easier to get in down there in Dallas. Jerry, a bit he's tighter on the media getting there. In fact, he's not even letting the media see OTA practices only once a week. So tomorrow uh, we'll get a chance to. Well, we, the media, will get a chance to go down and take a look at OTAs. And then next Thursday, they'll get a chance as well. So we'll talk to Pat tomorrow about it. But I'm jealous, man. I see all these other teams, and you see the videos, and you see the clips going around. You know, McCarthy's tight-lipped with his things, and Jerry is just acquiescing to McCarthy. So I'm not mad at it. But as a a fan and as a creator and as a diehard fan that wants every piece of information, man, it sucks, man. It sucks. But – What's up, y'all, Bomb Squad? Bomb Squad! Hope y'all doing well this morning. We got a, a good show lined up for you. Uh, today shouldn't be shouldn't be too long. Usually that is dictated by you guys, but I think we'll get through this one uh, fairly smoothly. And and I hope by the end of it, if if you still have that emotional angst to, towards a position, I can kind of sway you that you shouldn't, man. I, I think this room is in for. Uh, a good season and, and a good future, to be honest with you. So let's uh, get to this roundup. 
We'll talk about a rule change as well I think may affect one of our guys or just the league in general, and then we'll get to that quote that Jerry was talking about. So here we go. It is time for it's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Hey, yo. So league meetings or whatnot is happening right now. And a lot of like rule changes are, are getting put out there. And, and a couple of them have already been approved. And yesterday we talked about the QB3 rule. Now they've implemented a kickoff fair catch rule. And this is what the rule is. A receiving team that calls for a fair catch below the 25-yard line will get the ball at the 25 to start the drive. You might be thinking, well, I mean, duh, if you fair catch the ball in the end zone, it's it's going to be at the 25. Well, no. Say they kick it to the 5 or the 10 or the 12 or the 24, which is stupid. You can call the fair catch and get the ball at the 25-yard line. And this is what the league had to say. I'm going to read this quote from an article here. It says, quote, The kickoff play for us has been a play that has had a lot of changes over the years, all really driven by health and safety. And this comes from Rich McKay, chairman of the NFL's competition committee. He says the concussion rate on the play has gone up. It's gone up because the ball is being returned more by kicks that are being hung inside the five-yard line. College made this rule change in maybe 2018 or 2019. We looked at their data and said, you know what? This is the right thing to do. End quote. Uh, Jeff Miller also said on Tuesday that their modeling says the kickoff return rate will decrease from 38% to 31% and the concussion rate will drop 15% due to the approved proposal. So, Guys like Kevontae Turpin and, and, you know, the the other kickoff specialists or whatnot, this could affect them. I wonder if we will see a, a change in how teams approach the kickoff. I would love to hear what Bones Fossil has to say. What we do know is that apparently all the special teams coaches unanimously, unanimously voted against this rule. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're inching closer and closer to kickoffs being gone. And if kickoffs are gone, I think you'll see that affect roster spots throughout the NFL. Because sometimes you keep guys strictly because they can be kickoff returners. Uh, They can run down on kickoffs uh, from a defense side. Blockers, all that stuff. They got rid of the wedge. They moved the ball up. There's different rules implemented. Onside kick is not the same. Man, it feels like in five more years, we might not even have a, have a kickoff in general. So, you know, it is what it is. I, look, at this point, how I look at kickoffs is a bathroom break. If you have to go to the bathroom, the odds of you returning to kickoff nowadays were slim to none anyway. Uh, so I think as Jeff Miller, 
said you'll see a decrease in kickoffs. It was 38% last year, and it, it, they expected to drop to 31. I think there might be a chance that that falls way lower than 31%. Way lower. Because um, not every team has a guy that's good at it. And not every team has a kicker that's, you know, booting them out the back of the end zone now at the 35-yard line. It's a little easier now. Uh, so, and maybe you'll see, maybe you'll see teams that, you know, are afraid to kick it to a guy say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and just hang this thing high in the air at the 10-yard line and either force them to call a fair catch or see if they want to return it with our guys barreling down on them. So it'll be interesting to see how they do this. Now, the rule is only for 2023. I think this is kind of like the pass interference. Remember the challenge, the challenge of pass interference? That was like one year. <laughs> and they said, nah, this is this is ridiculous. So they got rid of the challenge to pass interference. So maybe, maybe they'll see how this thing goes. And if they don't like it, they'll move on for it, from it. But right now, the rule is implemented. And the owners is telling the fans, Man, who gives a shit? They don't care about how y'all feel. Jerry Jones, major development. All right, I don't know if it's a major development, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm gonna, I'm going to try to uh, read between the lines here and what I think might be my favorite quote of the offseason. So Jerry Jones got a chance. Well, I should say Jory Epstein got a chance to catch up with Jerry Jones. And in a series of tweets, this is what uh, Jory said, quote, talked to Jerry Jones yesterday about the latest with Mike McCarthy calling plays. He said Jerry reiterated he's very comfortable with the decision. Mike's just driven tunnel vision. He hardly has time for anything else with his work and getting everything coordinated and his assistant coaches. Most exciting to Jerry, quote, the nuances of how Mike wants to block it up. He's spending time giving us every opportunity to get the running game as productive as it can be. He's spending a lot of time basically thinking about the best way to protect that. I'm going to run that back one more time. The nuances of how to block it up and spending time giving us every opportunity to get the running game as productive as it can be. Now, my, my little antennas perked up when I heard that because to me, I'm reading between all that and what I hear is a running scheme. Cowboys Nation, I've been dying for the Cowboys to form a, a true rushing attack from a schematic standpoint. When I look around the league and you see some of these offenses, it's they're not just running with an attitude. They're running with a purpose. Even the ones that aren't running teams, you know, even teams that you would look at and say, man, this is a passing squad, but look how they're running. There's a purpose to it. I just never looked over the last four seasons at how the Cowboys ran the ball and said there's a true, definitive purpose. So what do they do? They go out and get Mike Solari, who's been a part of many different rushing schemes. And you hear Jerry say he's focusing on the nuances of how 
And he's spending a lot of time giving us every opportunity to get the run game as productive. That is that is him telling us by accident. I don't think he really knew what he was saying here that the Cowboys are going to have a rushing scheme. Something I don't think they had under Kellen Moore. And the last time they really had that, I, I want to say, was Bill Callahan. This will allow Dallas to set things up. This will allow Dallas, not even just from a you know play action standpoint or or flow standpoint, but just within the rushing attack, man. We joke a lot on uh Vacha show about how, you know, if you look at that Titan, not Titans game, Texans game, that Kellen Moore was told, hey man, you gotta run the ball. And he was like, Oh, I gotta run the ball? All right. And he ran it 11 straight times. And it wasn't like it was it was creative or anything like that. It just was, I'm just going to run the ball because you told me to run the ball. We heard so many times throughout throughout the season that, hey, man, we got we to gotta hit this number. It never was, hey, we got to hit this number this way or we got to set it up like this. It was, we got to hit this number because I think he noticed that Kellen Moore didn't want to run the ball. Kellen Moore flat out told you, I, I'm, I don't really want to run the ball that much, but I will acquiesce. You know, uh, when he came out and said it against the the uh, Washington game, I took it took everything in me to not throw the ball all game. Okay, and then you look at you know other games where he kind of just goes away from it without any explanation. So I, I think I think we're looking at a situation where Jer- or not Jerry, but where Mike wants to set up this rushing attack from a schematic standpoint, and I love to hear it. Even though that's not what he says specifically, but that's what I'm taking away from it. And you can't kill my party. So it is what it is. And that's where I think we can kind of circle this thing back to the tight ends. That's why I think the tight ends are going to be very, very important for the Cowboys this season. First off, before we dive into that, I think there was way too much stress surrounding that tight end room. Or, or the tight end position, the tight end conversation, whatever you want to call it. Way too un, too 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 much unnecessary stress heading into the draft from Cowboys Nation. Way too much. And then it didn't get much better after the draft because of what could have been overshadowed the actual pick, right? But in reality, I think this tight end room should be one that you should get excited about should be one that after the dust settles you realize it has a lot of young talent man a, a lot of young talent and a, and a lot of diverse talent and, and when you pair that with what i think mccarthy and solari and schottenheimer want want to do not only is there a plan from a running game standpoint but there there seems to be a plan with these tight ends um i still don't expect the tight ends to be a target feature of this offense, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of sound really strange here, but I think there'll be a feature part of this offense. How the hell is it possible, Scott? I think Cowboys are going to, going to really use this 12 personnel. Now, are they always going to throw it to the tight end out of it? No, they're going to run a lot out of it too, but I don't think the tight end is going to be a, a guy that's top five in targets. I don't think it needs to be. But I think this group is so unique and they have they have a real real plan for the for the unit that it'll be a feature part, but kind of like a secondary feature, if that makes sense. And it all starts with the 12 personnel, man. It, it really does. 
And I decided to do more digging. We talked about it before, the 12. So I want to do some more digging on the 12 personnel, not just from a McCarthy standpoint, but from a Schottenheimer standpoint. Like, What, what does he think about 12? What, when the last time he used 12? So last year, as you guys know, the Cowboys used the 12 personnel set the sixth most in the NFL on first down. So when they came out early, they were in 12 a lot. Also, they were in 13 a lot, too. They used that the third most, hence the importance of, of the tight ends, right? They also targeted the tight end the ninth most in that situation. So, you know, top 10 team in targeting the tight end out of 12 personnel early downs. Play action, right? Bootlegs, getting the tight end in favorable matchups, et cetera, et cetera. To boot, they use a single back formation the third most in the NFL on early down. So you, you'll definitely, I think, see a lot of 12. And when you invest a premium pick in a tight end, I think they're not going away from this. I think it's also why you see them, you saw them get the guy that they got. And we'll get to that here in a second. So I said, well, what does Schottenheimer, like? How, how did he use the 12 set when he was offensive coordinator? Well, in 2020, the last season he was offensive coordinator, he used the 12 personnel set the fourth most in the NFL with the Seahawks on early downs. So already, I mean, just from an analytical, statistical standpoint, whatever, you're kind of seeing a, a smoothness to the process, a smoothness to the hierarchy, right? Where everybody you would think is on the same page. And, and even if you go back and listen to what Jerry said about, uh, where's the quote here? He's just driven. He has tunnel vision. He hardly has time for anything else with his work and getting everything coordinated and his assistant coaches. That compounded with McCarthy saying this is the most fun he's had. They've been nonstop in the film room, in the planning room. Things that apparently he really didn't have any true say in over the last three seasons. So I know there's, there's a big question mark about what McCarthy can do from a play caller standpoint and Schottenheimer and McCarthy combined from a game planning standpoint. And it may be a normal thing for these coaches to always, and it is a normal thing to, to be intact like this and, and driven like this. But I don't know, man, I'm excited to see a hungry Mike McCarthy who hasn't called plays in a while, who's been able to understand and know his team. Like this is something that I don't think can, you can just scoff over. This isn't a stupid coach. He sees his team. He knows his team. He knows the flaws. He knows what works. And I'm hoping much like Dan Quinn, where he took a step back from play calling. He took a step, you know, he got fired and got back into the lab and he came back and he did things differently. He kind of combined what worked, took out what didn't work and tweaked some things. I think there's something, there's something like that in McCarthy. I do. And I think these tight ends are going to play a big factor in it, y'all. I truly do. Now, before we get into breaking down each tight end individually, let's go ahead and, and hit the phone lines real quick because whenever, anytime I see B-Bird come through, I've got to open the lines for my guy. Uh, good morning, B-Bird. What's good with you? What's good, Scott? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. We're kind of hitting that weird lull in, in, in uh, Cowboys world. And, and, you know, so I'm trying to get through these these shows as best we can, man. But I'm waiting for training camp. I'm ready. How you doing? 
Well, I'm doing good, man. My uh, youngest daughter is getting ready to graduate from high school. And, Congratulations. Uh, so all the things that goes on, we appreciate it. It goes on with that prom. And uh, she also graduated from uh, college, uh, from uh, community college. So she took classes there. Hmm. And so she graduated there with a associate's degree, and then now she's going off to college. So uh, everything is going good, but we're just man, real awesome. busy with all this stuff. Yeah. So one thing, I didn't get to talk to you yesterday. The reason why I called you earlier because I did have some comments, just comments on the cornerback room, so I didn't want to derail your show. So All good. I just wanted to come in and talk to you about it. So first thing, um, just talking about some of the things that you said, is uh, this is the first time, you know, Kellen Moore's gone, Jason Garrett's gone. This is the first time this organization is going to be uh, uh, operating without a mole or a plant from the Joneses. Uh, mm. Those two guys have been, you know, they, they've gotten those jobs without merit. And so this is the first time I think that we have a coach since Parcells that has picked their own staff and everything is going to be uh, chopped down from the coach, not somebody going going around the coach talking to the Joneses or Stephen Jones or somebody like that. So I just love the way the organization uh, – I know that we went about it a roundabout way because Mike McCarthy should have been calling plays when he first got hired. I mean, you discussed that a long time ago. Yeah. But I think that we're there now, so I'm cool with that. Yeah, I, Going to the cornerback room. Go on, go on. No, you're good. Okay. Kelvin Joseph, uh, I, he's one of the worst draft picks. I know people talk, talk about Taco, but Kelvin, Kelvin's pretty bad, man, right now. And I'm not saying that he can't turn this thing around. But, um, you know, this guy was tied for six in the league in penalties last year, and he don't even start. Everybody else on the list of starters, offensive linemen. I mean, you got to go out your way. That's crazy. To be that bad with penalties, man. Um, also, too, we ended up picking up Gilmore, which is a great pickup. But when you draft a cornerback second overall, you shouldn't have to go get a Gilmore. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't have yeah. to be contemplating picking a cornerback high in the draft. That's the reason why we went and did that. That Gilmore pickup is an indictment of Kelvin Joseph. And I don't know what it was. I was in and out yesterday, man. I tried to get on late, but I think the lines were locked. All good. Uh, the, the people that says uh, don't sign Diggs, if there's anyone that says that, they're the same people that says Dak suck. That, that's a, that's equivalent to that. Diggs may be the best co- cover corner in the league, and I'm not saying that mm. he is, but I'm saying that we have to sit sit here and think about who I'd rather have covering the car, covering the wide receiver. This guy shut down two of the two of the best young wide receivers in this league, man. This guy is great. Put it this way, he's better in his position than any other cowboy on his team besides Martin and Parsons. And that's including uh, CD. That's including Dak Prescott. That's including everybody else, man. What it is, it's we got some recency bias by him. Um, that's, a fun, that's, a, that's a fun topic, boy. Shoot, man. We're going, <laughs> we going to do our uh, our uh, Cowboys roster rankings probably in the next couple of weeks. But, damn, that's a good topic. Go ahead. Well, it's some recency bias. He had some bad plays, I think, uh, in the, uh, um, the 49ers game. So people still feel some kind of way about that. But the thing about it is, man, with this tackling and cornerbacks, y'all, this is a passing league. This guy stops the pass. I mean, again, it's like asking Steph Curry, getting mad at him because he don't rebound. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not what we have him here for. Yeah. So I, I just think um, – and, and, and I'll go to the tight end room. We, I'll go there and I can get through with this. Before the draft, I just thought that, the, you know, improving our tight end, whoever we got, the delta between them, Schoolmaker, and, say, Ferguson – I thought it'd just be it'd be minimal, but what I've opened my mind up to is that we don't know how they're going to use these tight ends. I mean, they might be tight end heavy. 
we might need a, a heck of a blocker at a tight end or, or something like that, man. So I'm going to just hold out on that because until we know the plan, then we, I can't question the, the, the pick that much. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if well, we're going to use a lot of 12 personnel. Yeah. I mean, uh, at this point, it, it is what it is now. They're here. This is what I yeah. meant by, you know, yeah. when the pick happens, we, we obviously are emotionally invested and what you may want or, or you don't want. But then after that, you have to take that emotional uh, thought process out of it and and try to make an understanding of it. And I think since the pick has been made, we've kind of been getting hints at what they want to do, not only with him, but with the position in general. And, you know, I, I think you can get behind it. You know, it, yes, you didn't get the guy you wanted in round two. Yes, some may think it was a reach. Fine. But that's, that doesn't mean a guy that is devoid of talent or can't help this team yeah. out. So. Yeah, he, he's actually more talented physically. Uh, he has more attributes than, than the tight ends that we have now. So, mm. you know, I, I think if you start looking at it, and then at the end of the day, guys, just what you said. We already got him. So, hey, ain't no sense. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah he's there. Yeah. So so last thing I'll talk about is this is something that because <laughs> you brought it up, and I, I always thought that, like like on, on kickoffs, if I was a coach, I'd tell my guy, anytime the ball gets close to the end zone, take the touchback. The reason why I say that is because, they're just making it more valuable to do that. Now they bring, you know, bring it out to the 25. But the thing about it is when you run it and say you get to the 29, flag comes out. Now you, you know what I'm saying? Now you yeah, move it back 10 more yards. Point. And that's the thing you you avoid with, with fair catching it. You know, hey, we're not going to start. Hey, we got a good offense like we have. I just don't want to start in some terrible situations. So I'd rather you just put your hands up fair catch and give it to the offense. B-Bird, I think that happened a lot. I, I think in 2021, we saw them start behind. In fact, in 2021 in the playoffs, didn't that happen on a kickoff? I think the first possession or something like that. Maybe it was the second possession. I don't know. Uh, the, the one where they tried to trick play to from oh, Cooper. Yeah, 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 I think we were backed up. We were backed up because of the penalty. I mean, that yeah. happened throughout the season. And uh, man, you make a good point. The the only thing I would say is if your guy is a, a is a guy that can take it to the crib, you would think that was Turpin. Maybe you say, "Hey, I'll give you some free reign." And they did that a few times, if you remember. Like Turpin was bringing it out, but he wasn't really doing yeah. much with it. So, I, look, man, if if you're not going to be a dude that can take it to the crib a couple times a year or flip the field from a kickoff standpoint a bunch, you you might be right. It might not be worth the risk of. Uh, say they boot it to the five, you bring it out now, you know, they, they hang it, right? They hang it away in the air, they boot it yeah. to the five, and now you only get it to the 12. Or a penalty happens, yeah. now you're backed up half a distance to the goal. So that is something to think about. So I guess what they're doing is they're just taking the college the college rule. That's basically what they're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, they take a college rule, yep. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. This is because this uh, you, you, you bring this up a few times because you, you kind of, to me, I think you're a little tough on Turpin. Very um, tough, very do you tough. Think it, do you think – do you think it's recency bias as far as him not taking it all the way to the house in 49ers and, and that's staying with you? That I, I would, you know me, I will let y'all know if my emotions is attached to a, to an opinion or something. Um, that one is not. At the time it was. At the time. I was I was pissed. You know, you, everybody else is getting hype. I'm like, man, get the, <laughs> you should have scored. You know, we're not scoring anything. So I was really upset. But this goes back beyond that, man. If you remember, B-Bird, Turpin, in that back half of the season, he muffed two punts that cost. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, and then muffs yeah. that he didn't recover, muffs that the other team recovered. Yeah. That they scored touchdowns on, you know. So you set your, you set your team up, and when you only get X amount of punt opportunities, two muff punts in in that short of a you know period is not great. 
And then he just wasn't flipping the field uh, as greatly as I thought he was. You know, if you yeah. think about it, how many times do you remember Turpin uh, setting us up inside the 20, setting us up inside the 50 or inside the 30, inside the 35, inside? It was mostly around like hour 45, there, you know, the 50, maybe the other side 45. He just never really like broke it open as much. So I am definitely tough on him because for a dude who went to a Pro Bowl, you would think he scored touchdowns or you would think he, you know, yeah. got, got your team. And the reds on a bunch. That just never happened. So my thing about it, B Bird, is if you're if you're not going to be, you know, a a Dante Hall type of dude, then you've got to contribute offensively, in my opinion. Um, so because he's look, he's not going to contribute as a tackler on special teams, you know? Yeah. He's not going to be a gunner, yeah. he's not gonna be on kickoff coverage. So, and if he's not gonna kick return, she yeah, you better do something offensively, man. And these rules, these rules they're making is that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if he'll, him. yeah, I don't know if he'll be be really returning that much now. Yeah. So, well, anyway, Scott. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call, man. And uh, I'm going to continue to listen to you uh, offline, man. You have a great day. Man, I appreciate the call, B Bird. Always good hearing from you. And uh, congratulations on your daughter. And uh, good luck with all the stuff going on, man. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a you know teenager, but you know I, I get the the pressure of the prom and then you got graduation coming then college and that whole thing so uh wish you the yeah. best of luck brother all right man you take it easy salute man always always good conversations uh with my guy d-bird oh the, the human joystick was fantastic tom or the original x-factor yeah he was ridiculous man he was ridiculous that's why I, i'm kind of look Turpin got stupid speed and kind of start stop ability to hit that that gear. But man, I don't mean to, to get off topic of the tight ends. I'll get right back to it in a second. But man, Deuce is he's just ridiculously quick and, and like a rabbit and just hard to, to I'm I'm I want to see it. I want I want to see him get some punts and see what happens. All right, let's turn back to the no, nah, I ain't forgetting that as a car. I ain't forgetting that. Because let me ask you this. And, and I'm, and I'm going to leave Turpin. I'm going to leave it alone. A lot of people keep saying, oh, he played football, you know, all, all year. He, he played football, didn't stop. I, I, I Fine. I, I get that. But did you ever see Turpin, like, run out of steam? Did you ever see Turpin get tired? I, I, I never. Turpin got one return a game. He's not tired. He's barely getting touched. For weeks at a time, Turpin's probably not. He'd get touched once or twice. Right? So, I get he played. But what the hell that got to do with, hey, man, I'm just going to make this cut into daylight and not run right into the kicker. I digress. Because now I I don't want to be mean to Turpin, man. But I I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. You You need to take these things to the crib, dog. Like there was too many opportunities and you getting caught up by by a kicker, not because you're slow, but what are you seeing? I digress. I'm sorry. My bad. My, my bad. Uh, let's get back to these tight ends and let's, and let's start at the bottom here. And um, here's the here's the interesting thing about about the bottom of this this list here. Actually, I'm gonna start with McEwen and then go back down to Princeton. It is Claire's day that. Sean McEwen 
is on the hot seat per se, right? They drafted a tight end in the second round. They they brought in a guy like Princeton Fan. They they're converting a uh, wide receiver to tight end. I don't know how much these guys are pushing, but but it's more to it than just that. Sean McEwen been around three years, going on his fourth year. He has one year left on his deal. They're, they're likely not going to sign him to no damn extension. Hell, they might not sign any tight ends to extensions at this point. And he's purely a blocking tight end. So there's not a whole lot of versatility in McEwen's game from a pass catching blocking standpoint. However, he did show off his versatility from where he can block. I've seen him line up at fullback. I've seen him do H-back things. I've seen him move around. Prior to Peyton Hendershot getting here, he was kind of doing some move around type things. Uh, Played a career high 129 snaps last year. And if you're into grades, he graded out pretty damn good as a pass block. I even saw some action in the playoffs. More, more action than some of the other tight ends. When I say some, I mean one above. Uh, not a lot, but but he saw a little bit more action. Now, from a blocking standpoint, I think that's where I think Fant will have to show out for the staff. Because he's got it athletically. I think he's athletically gifted. You know, former everything. Dude was a former running back then turned receiver then they said that ain't work so we'll put you at tight end and you know we're going to do some h-back things for you you know he's a quasi tight end h-back not really sure what they're going to do with him when they get here um i kind of put him McEwen, and, and we'll get to battles at some point and lipke in this kind of same tier of guys that'll be fighting for potentially a spot but maybe they won't Maybe they'll carry three. Maybe they'll carry just four pure tight ends and four running backs. We'll, we'll see what happens. But there is a there's a big question mark surrounding McEwen, Fant, and uh, Lipke. But at the end of the day, I still do view Princeton Fant as a, a really good potential uh, developmental guy that I think they'd like to get on a practice squad because the practice squad right now, or at least last year, was pretty void, even the year before that, was pretty void of legitimate trait guys um who was it ian bunting no uh seth green no so it'd be nice if if a guy like princeton fan can sneak onto that practice squad and continue to develop and if it's going to be tight end kind of continue to learn the tight end position if it's going to be kind of a quasi h-back tight end role then uh continue to do that as well so sean McEwen and princeton fan i wanted to talk about first because We'll see. We'll see what fan. But McEwen, if he's on the team, we know what McEwen's role is going to be. McEwen's going to be a blocking guy, your fourth tight end in case anybody gets hurt. Uh, he's been around your quarterback. He's been around his coach. He knows the cadence. He knows most of the offense. Um, he's just kind of a really a really damn good insurance. If if guys like Fant or the the guy they move from tight end, you know, don't really show up, McEwen's excellent insurance. So for 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 a fourth tight end. I mean, you can't really, I'm not really mad at a guy like Sean McEwen. Not at all. Let's see here. Uh, I'm talking about baseball up in here. All right, let's get to Charlie real quick, and then we'll get back to, to the tight end room. What's good, Charlie? What up, bro? How you doing this morning, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you? Yeah, bro, always. Hey, uh... Big Bird was making some really good points that I didn't even think about with that whole kickoff stuff and, and special teams. Bro. I didn't even think about it like that. Bieber. Bieber. Uh, oh, Bieber. My bad, man. Uh, 
but yeah, bro, I'm I'm on the same side as you with the whole turf and stuff. Yeah. Uh I I definitely just think that that man got a glorified Pro Bowl spot because of that Chargers preseason game, and it stuck with him the whole year. But he didn't he didn't really impact the game in a in a huge game changing way at all ever. And then I, I boy, the that's a that, that that's a I'm not going that far. I'm hard on him because I I am expecting more because he's he has he's not really a of offensive guy. He didn't score touchdowns. But to say ever, that's a bit that's a bit of a reach, Charlie. He 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 was he flipped the field a handful of times. I will give him that. He did do that. No, I mean I, I know he flipped the field. I'm just saying like for someone with the hype and the expectations that we had of him in my mind, I really don't think like Fair. besides upgrading what we already had the past seasons, like I definitely think it was a change for us to see something progressing did- it further down the field. But in terms of like impacting that I feel like we have another Dwayne Harris back there again. Like, mm. I don't feel that way. No, 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 he ain't Dwayne. You know what I mean? Like, no, he ain't Dwayne. Did did, yeah, did, did he nah. – expectations. Did he live up to the expectations? I don't think so. Uh, and, and you can't no. just ignore the muff punts. Much like – and, again, I'm going back and forth here. Much like uh, Kelvin Joseph when everyone tries to say, oh, well, he's a special teams ace. Well, number one, whatever special teams good tackles or plays that he made, you have to factor in the six penalties he had. So that kind of evens things out and doesn't really make him some above average special teams guy. I think you got to factor that in with Turpin, where you see some of the plays that he flipped the field. You also have to think about the ones where you're saying, what the hell are you doing taking out Turpin? Now we're starting at the 20. Now we're starting at the 18. And then the muff punts as well. So I, I don't think there was enough high impact plays to outweigh the ones that had us scratching our heads to the point where you say, man, that dude is special or elite at what he does. No, yeah, I agree, I agree for sure. Uh, Kelvin, I, number one, like, obviously we didn't plan for it to turn out like this, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, I'm not drafting a special teams ace, if that's what he is, in the second fucking round. Dude. No, that's like, not the plan. You know, that <laughs> wasn't yeah, the plan. No, obviously, I know, that, yeah, hell no, it wasn't. But that's what it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, man, the, in terms of the tight end room, uh. McEwen, I think that honestly his job is about to get her his spot, I would say, is about to get taken by Lipke just because I feel like Lipke Very gives possible. you a, a bunch of different other things. And yeah. I don't think, like, I don't think that there's a logical way. Like, I guess you could do it, but I, I don't think there's a logical way to carry four running backs and four tight ends. So I feel like you would have to, like, who's the chess piece that can kind of do both aspects? And that's Lip, uh, Lipke. So. Mm. Like I don't, I don't think McKinnon's gonna make the cut in terms of that. I think Lipke will take his spot, but I think, uh, I think Ferguson's solid as hell. Wait, 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 hold on! Before, before you move forward, before you move forward, because y'all gotta oh, got take you, a pause. Got let me, let me get in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, McEwen's, McEwen's seat is definitely hot. Here's what I think would be the best situation for them. Okay, is if if here's what you want to happen. I think you want Lipke to just be fantastic. Like you want Lipke to, to be that awesome H back that if you need to hand the ball off to you can you want to throw the ball to him you can if if you want him to do some blocking things you can, and then what you want is you want Sean McEwen to sneak through the waivers and then you put on the practice squad because if you can get Sean McEwen on the practice squad now you've got a, a valuable practice squad tight end in case one of your guys get hurt, um, whether that be Ferguson Hendershot. Uh, schoolmaker whatever that you can call up and you really don't miss a beat I think in your offense because he knows the offense and he's silent in what he's asked to do 
But if you can get a Sean McEwen on your practice squad, man, I think that'd be a big dub for the Cowboys tight end room as long as somebody like uh, a Lipke's uh, shows out. No, yeah, for sure. I don't think Lipke's done enough to honest. Well, well they did anything team, yet. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's done enough to get recognized to get yanked from the practice squad like that. So there's a good oh, chance that he could honestly. Oh, you mean Lipke? There. You said Lipke? No, no, no. Uh, I mean McEwen. 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 Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, do you think McEwen could end up back on the squad, or like, do you think he's done enough even to get recognized like that? And you just never know, man. Uh, you don't know what these tight ends. These coaches are looking at it and what teams lack at the position. Tight end is not like a, a crazy position in the league where there's just a bunch of top five tight ends floating around. And if a team is in need of a third tight end, you remember the cat that we brought in from, um, who was it, from Kansas City as a tight end three oh, for Bell. a season? Yeah, Bell. I mean, he could he Bell. could easily be a Blake Bell for a team, you know, where it's like, hey, we, we need a tight end three. We run a, we run a heavy 13 personnel. This kid's got over 400 snaps at the position. He's been in the league for a few years. Uh, his body's fine. He can block. It, you never know, man. A team might snatch that guy up, and he's their tight end three or four. So I don't know. Yeah, I expect him to make it through, but what do other teams need? I don't know. I don't, I don't study them as much. No, yeah, for sure. But overall, I know we're talking about tight ends. So, I mean, draft night, I was watching y'all during the draft, like both TV and then y'all, and I, I, I couldn't help but laugh, but I was also pissed because y'all's reaction, I was laughing, but uh, <laughs> I felt the same way that y'all did at the Shoemaker spot. Yeah. And uh, and now, like, taking a step back, honestly, like, I would be way more mad if we had bigger holes on this team besides, you know, tight end and stuff, and then we still took Shoemaker. But I feel like we've set it up free agency and trade-wise to where, like, we could take a splash, you know, and and reach up for a tight end like we did. So it kind of lessened the blow because we're already solid at a lot of other spots, pretty much everywhere. So, yeah. And then y'all broke down Shoemaker a lot too. So with y'all's breakdowns, I feel a lot better about it in terms of blocking. I just hope he can develop into a more, more vertical threat. I think he will. But we'll, we'll, I, I don't know will. if you, we'll think get to he, that. you think he will. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, we'll, we'll, I'm about to break him down uh, in, in a few minutes here. So, yeah, I mean, okay, he, he's got the tools for sure. We'll talk about it. Okay, cool. Well, I'll let you. I'll let you go, man. But uh, appreciate you taking my call, like always, bro. And then I I rewatched twice yesterday y'all's corner uh, state of the corners because mm-hmm. it was good as hell. The, the Gilmore stuff you had, it was amazing. So I had to rewatch it twice, bro. But thank you, brother. Yeah, good stuff, bro. Love you, man. Man, appreciate you, big dog. Much love. Yeah, I I enjoy doing the state of the units, man, because we we invest in each individual uh, as opposed to kind of just flying by and I purposely do this before the state of the unit because I know we're going to dive into it individually um and let's go ahead and dive into our next guy that's Peyton Hendershot Peyton Hendershot man I call him the move guy if you watch Peyton last year they had him all over the place too as well doing a lot of things and you know between him and Ferguson they were extremely popular right because they were they were fun and, and you had Dalton Schultz in that room to kind of carry you know anchor that unit as the veteran but now Peyton along with Ferg are the veterans well with McEwen too I should say McEwen is technically the veteran but the room is a lot younger and Peyton Hendershot brings some of that youth there now when it comes from a production standpoint uh, not a whole lot of production and that's going to be the the case in the room in general so if there's a question mark in the room of concern you could say well not much production however to me production at tight end is mostly about 
opportunity. But that's that could be a different discussion. Nonetheless, had 103 yards last year, three touchdowns. Two of them came on the ground and averaged nine yards per reception. Uh, probably the most significant statistic from Peyton Hendershot was that he was a slot guy 46% of the time. And a lot of that time, he was moving around. Might have started in the backfield, motioned out to the slot, starting the slot, motion to the other side, in the slot, or in line. But he was a guy that was always on the move. I think Hendo will most likely slot in as the tight end three, uh, which he was last year and what I think the Cowboys staff is comfortable uh, utilizing him at if they're looking to do a lot of 12 things. Because, look, I got to give Lunda Wells a ton of credit. Uh, you know, I didn't look at Peyton Hendershot, and I still don't, but coming out as a guy that this dude is not going to be able to just be a good blocker. Was he a, a dependable blocker? I, I don't know. I'll go that far. But here's what they realized. If I can get Peyton Hendershot on the move, now I can use his momentum as a blocker. Now I can do things with him that gets uses his, you know, quickness and his light feet uh, to, to move a guy or help with a duo situation. But you didn't see Hendo doing a whole lot of one on one things like you, you'll see. I think the other two guys will get to here in a second. But I think Peyton Hendershot as a tight end three option, as a move guy, I think he's a fun, a fun prospect. Uh, I hate to use the word prospect, but a fun player in these personnel packages. And if we go back to the stat that we talked about, Dallas was the third most, used 13 personnel, the third most in the NFL on early downs. A lot of that is going to be with Hendo. And you can do some some unique things with him, spread him out wide. Uh, one thing I did like that Kellen did with the tight ends, and I hope we don't go away from, is we'll come out in 12, we'll come out in 13. Then next thing you know, there is not necessarily audible, but emotion, and these dudes are flaring out. These dudes are, it's empty, essentially. And now you got a, a Dalton Schultz, Ferguson, and Hendershot one-on-one with linebackers. And nine times out of ten, that's a mismatch. Or sometimes like this with the defensive end dropping. So Peyton Hendershot uh, is another guy that I think you can get behind and get excited about. Because he has these these traits that complement the room. That is something that we've been talking about a lot this offseason. Can this player complement the room? And I can't help but look at what we talked about earlier to start the show. There seems to be a purpose, you know, from a schematic standpoint and, and from a player standpoint. But there seems to be a purpose for each player. One guy might be more of a receiver guy. Another guy might be more of a blocker guy. Another guy might be kind of a combination of two. Another guy might be more of a move guy, but there seems to be a purpose in that room. And again, the big question mark will always be, well, we technically don't know from a long-term, an extended period of time for these tight ends because they don't have a lot of production in the league. They're rookies last year and one's a rookie this year. So, But I think there's talent there, man. There's traits there to like, and, and, and Hendo is one of those guys. And then you have the controversial pick. Charlie talked about it when we, uh, when Luke Schoon, make a school, was selected collectively. The panel, me, Vach, and Foots were like, oh, because we were looking at guard, right? We were looking at maybe uh, the kid from Arkansas was there. 
But again, like we talked about with B Bird, once the emotion goes away, you listen to the coaches, you 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 dive into the player a little bit more, you make sense of the pick. I think it's clear where we're going here. And and this all goes back to the 12 personnel set. And Mike McCarthy, I think the the biggest thing he said about the pick was that he views Luke as a guy that's going to play all four positions in the tight end room. It's major. And I think it adds value to him. It adds value to that room. Because I don't think McEwen is a guy that's going to do that. I don't think Peyton is a guy. And when I say do that, I mean, they all could technically line him up there. But to have the physicalness or the athletic ability to do that and then be featured or be uh, a threat in both the pass and run game, I wouldn't view those other guys like that. But Luke, I do. So when you com- when you pair him and you got Jake and-, and those guys can do a multitude of things out of those personnel sets, that makes the defense say, shit, they can run and they can run really good out of it. Or they can pass. And these dudes have shown, at least Jake has shown in the NFL, he can do some damage after the catch. And then you got Luke's athleticism and potential as a pass catcher. And we'll get to that. That you, you know, can take a look at. Now, Luke's schoolmaker, y'all. I don't know that he'd have been taken as high or would be viewed as he's being viewed by the staff or us if he wasn't the blocker that he was. Like, let's just be flat out. He he is a, a, a tremendous blocker. Um, I think a ready-made blocker to come into the league. On the other hand, I don't think he'd be taken where he was if they didn't look at him with some potential as a pass guy. So there is that pass catching upside because he's a he's smooth with his athleticism. I don't think he's going to be a guy, though, that you are throwing a bunch of jump balls to. And, and he'll have to improve or not improve. He'll have to prove this part here. You have to prove that he can be a consistent contested catch guy. Consistent. In college, he only caught three out of 12 contested catches. And that was in 2022, I believe. He also is a guy that I don't know that he'll ever be a a make you miss dude. We'll see. But that that wasn't something you saw a lot on film and and he just didn't get a whole lot of opportunity prior to last, last year. But last year, his career season as a pass catcher, he uh, only made one guy miss. He fit, he forced one missed tackle in the whole season. So we'll see if he can develop into a yak guy. Uh, but but I, don't, I don't think he's going to be a dude that they're looking to do a whole bunch of yak things. But I think he can develop into a reliable pass catching option, though. And when you listen to, I always want to say Martin, Marty, Brian Schottenheimer, He's also a guy that I think they're fascinated with his kind of straight line speed and smoothness. Um, So you'll see them try to attack the seams out of 12. If you go back and look, wasn't a whole lot of that. Now, with Dalton Schultz, they they, they had a, I call it their money play, where they would either start Dalton Schultz in a three-by-one, and they'll motion C.D. Lamb over, and they'll send Dalton Schultz up the seam, and he'll attack the, the safety. If the safety bites, you got C.D. Lamb one-on-one. If he doesn't, you got Dalton Schultz. We've seen throughout the years Dalton Schultz, actually him and, and Dak connect from a seam standpoint. They just never really went to it. And Dalton Schultz is not some fantastic athlete. 
It's just I think a tight end in general is always going to be a mismatch up the seams if you got threats on the outside. But when you look at Cooks and you look at Lamb, I think they're looking at it as, look, if we come out in the 12 or if he's the guy out there in 11, Lamb and Cooks are going to dictate coverage. So if I can get Schoolmaker, who runs a 4-6-3, which is pretty damn good for a tight end of his size, if I can get him upfield, man, I can get some favorable matchups. So I think you'll see them try to use him in that manner. But I get it. He old. <laughs> a lot of people don't like his age. I kind of settled on the fact that I, I don't I don't know that Dallas is ever really going to pay the tight end. I don't. And again, this this could all change, right? What if Luke or Jake or Peyton end up being all pros? Then, then you change your mind here. But I don't think they're ever going to do that anyway. So I'm not really, not really tripping about what happens with the second contract uh, for him. Ideally, you always want your first and second round picks to get that second contract. You do. But the more and more the, the cap is going up, the, the, the more and more I'm understanding the league and where it's heading, I think I can live with them taking four years, seeing what's up. If he's not the guy, uh, you, if none of these guys are the guys, you know, you keep it, you keep it pushing. But if he is, come on, we're talking about tight end. It's not like you can't still be a, a fantastic tight end at 29, 30 years old. So, you know, I think there, I think too much is made there about his age. Um, so I'm not going to trip too much. We got fun with it, but I ain't really tripping about him being 24, going to be 25 during the season or something like that. So look, schoolmaker, man, um, after the emotion wears off, I think of the pick. I think there are a lot of things to like about him. There is obviously question marks because he didn't have a ton of production. He's not going to be a yak guy. We'll see how he fares from a contested catch standpoint. But athletically and from a blocking standpoint, I think he comes in right damn now. And he, and he helps out your, your, your tight end room. He helps out the 12 personnel package. And if you go 11, he's, he doesn't. I don't think between him and, and Jake Ferguson, I don't think you're, you're missing anything from a blocking standpoint at all. So... Once the dust settles, man, I think there is light there at the end of that tunnel. Just got to be able to see it. Then you got Jake Ferguson, man. I don't know that Jake Ferguson gets enough credit uh, for his 2022 season in general, but, but specifically as a blocker. I went on a mission. To purposely, I didn't care about the game. Look, he's got a ton of highlights, really, really fun catches, and, and he's a super yak guy. 174 yards last year, and 71% of that came after the catch. And he averaged over nine yards per reception. But I, I purposely wanted to go back and look at him as a blocker, and I'm like, I'm also now now I'm really seeing why they are emphasizing this 12. This dude is a god dang linebacker playing tight end when he's out there blocking. Now, he played linebacker in high school, so maybe that's where you kind of get some of that mentality, that physical mentality. But I, I noticed it in preseason, actually. Uh, I think it was a Seahawks game where it really, really stood out to me. But also in preseason, what you realize and what stood out that I don't think anybody really saw coming, but if you actually go back and watch Wisconsin, he made a ton of contested catches ton of jump balls he was more athletic than we probably gave him credit for
But in the preseason, he showed that he was an underrated athlete as well. He is a guy you can throw a jump ball to. He is a guy that that can deal with contested catches. He caught 86% of his targets, not a whole lot of them, only about 24-something targets. Zero drops. Zero. Well, Scott, what did he do with the ball after he caught it? Of the top 10 tight ends in yards after catch total, Jake Ferguson ranked number four in yards after catch per reception. Repeat that for those who can't hear me in the back. Of the top 10 tight ends in yards after catch total, Jake ranked fourth overall in yards after catch per reception. So don't think this is Dalton Schultz or old Jason Witten if I'm just going to catch it and fall down. He has a savviness after he catches that ball and in a field, an open field that I think catches teams by surprise. So when you look at Jake Ferguson's overall game, you see that in year one, I think he was a grinder of a blocker. At first, I was saying a fighter, but then I thought you saw him be more technical. I thought he became more technical as a blocker. Now we're going into year two. Working in the Dak yard. Another year under Lunda Wells. A year where he is, hey, hey, Ferg, we looking at you as a guy now, man. I don't know how you can't get excited about this, man. I don't get it. What the only question you may say he didn't answer was okay, so how does he fare catching the ball 20 yards down the field? Well, he only got like two of those. <laughs> you know, he only got like two of those. Doesn't mean he can't do it. I would love to see him give him an opportunity. But I'm sorry. When I look at Jake Ferguson, I can't help but get excited about what could be moving forward. And when you look at the room. In general, I, I can't help but feel good about it. And it's it's a different feel. In 2018, that was the last time Dallas kind of had a, a room similar to this, a room where there wasn't a, a bunch of veterans, a, a, a proven veterans. I think it was Jason Witten had retired. 2018? I think it was 18. Jason Witten had retired. You had, was it Jess Wayne, y'all? I think Hannah was still on the team. Ferguson, or not Ferguson. Um, Dalton Schultz was a rookie. It, it was just a whole bunch of, of unknown answers. But Hannah was like a seventh round pick or something. Six round. You had uh, Swain was a seventh round pick or something like that. Rookie uh, tight end in, in Dalton Schultz, who was a developmental type of guy. And, you know, so he was a blocker that had to develop as a pass catcher. It was a very unknown room and very uncomfortable room and gets overshadowed because of the wide receiver room, wide receiver by committee. I call that year the baby tight end by committee. I think it's something different about this group, though, because we got a chance to see Jake and Peyton Hendershot perform last year. They played significant snaps now. Unfortunately, Peyton didn't play a whole lot in the the postseason, only nine snaps total in the postseason. In fact, Sean McEwen played more than Peyton Hendershot in the postseason. Um, 
you saw, like I said, we just talked about Jake Ferguson. And then they invested in the tight end room a little bit higher in the draft. And you got a guy who, who was a bit of a dual threat in Luke Schoolmaker. I just think there's more upside and there's more excitement in this version of the baby tight end room than the 2018 version of the baby tight end room. You know, because one, we lost Jason Witten. And we was like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We, we didn't know what we had in the other guys. We didn't know if those guys could even step up to the plate. Uh, they didn't really do much prior to that. They did less, put it this way, than Jake and Peyton. But with Schultz going, it was like, hey, Schultz, cool. He ain't Jason Witten. But we got a chance to see a little bit of Jake and Peyton, and then you you get a guy like Luke in the second round. I, I don't know. I'm more excited about, about this group than the previous reset at the tight end position. And then they decided to scratch all the reset in 2019 and bring back old ass Jason Witt. I don't think there's a need to do that. I think between Jake, Luke, Peyton, I think one of those guys has the ability and the opportunity. I think they'll get the opportunity to break out and be a very steady presence at the position. But from a collective, man, I think this 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 Big Ten unit is going to be a unit. I think they're going to be one that, you know, each week, will give you an advantage of, damn, how are they going to deploy so-and-so? Whereas, yeah, you may not have a Kyle Pitts, who's a matchup nightmare, spread him out wide to play tight end, I'm sorry, to play wide receiver. But you also know, well, if Kyle Pitts is spread out wide, they're not going to be too much running. They're not going to be doing too much of anything other than trying to throw the ball to Kyle Pitts up to see him or something like that. Or one-on-one on the outside as a wide receiver. He's a damn wide receiver. Where with this room... There's a lot you can do. You can get really unique with it. Uh, do I still have this up? I sure do. You can do things like this with it, where they came out in that you know zero running back, three tight end, two wide receiver set. Um, I don't want them to go away from stuff like this. I don't want them to do it. And now you get a guy in Luke who is a, a much better blocker uh, than Peyton Hendershot. And I think he'll probably end up being one better blocker than Ferguson, but I just think he's underrated as a blocker. But when you get two guys like that, that can, I think, block at a high level from the tight end position, but also can be a threat uh, as a receiver, it just it just opens up the possibilities and it makes defensive coordinators have to think more. And it, and it if you got a scheme, if you got a, a coordinator or play caller who is has a flow and feel of the game, man, you could do some you could do some some special things offensively and again i don't know why they went away from this type of stuff and maybe that's something that mike was like look man thanks but good luck in 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 san uh, San diego now i'm sounding like more good luck in la with the chargers so i I look forward to them kind of going back to not necessarily that just this but doing special things with their tight ends because they have a unit that is versatile. So there you have it, man. Uh, state of the unit, tight ends, breaking down each guy from Jake, Luke, Peyton, Sean, and Princeton. Man, Cowboys Nation. Let me see here if I miss anybody that dropped some super chats. We get to the phones and hit the chat, man. Because I know y'all having a, a show within the show. We did. Super chat. Smoke one for you. Drop one. Appreciate you. Said I thought our fans want to run well. Want to run well. Great pick. Yeah. 
Luke will, I think he'll definitely help open up the run game for sure. All right, eight three two. What it is? What it do? Hey, what's up, Scott? Good morning. Good morning, man. Hey, man. Look, uh, everything you're talking about is, is spot on. Uh, I think, like you said, they, and I, I kind of got that feeling too when they drafted the tight end. If they're going to run the football, they're going to find ways to do it, and they're going to have a plan and a purpose with that. They're not just going to say we're going to run the football. They're going to have a way to do it. Moonmark is going to be. He's going to be tight end too. He's going to he's to cover for the left side just in case you know something happens over there. They're not going to ask him to do too much except what he does, and that's why. I I love that just from, and you said this religiously many many times. Is you have to have a a, a plan and a purpose for what you're doing out yeah. there because that's the only way that you can you can really set up teams to do what it is that you want to do with big plays or whatnot. You just can't call plays. You have to have a plan. Yes. So I, I, am, I am thrilled that they've kind of confirmed some things with me. So I don't I don't have a particular uh, bias against a, 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 a two tight end set or, or a three wide out set. I know the league has kind of moved generally towards having three wide out as a base offensive set. But, hey, man, if you've got enough versatility – with the tight ends, and we saw that last year. Even Kevin Moore sometimes would would throw a, a odd looking set out there where he had tight ends out there. I think you mentioned it one time. He had all he had a three tight end set out there with T.D. Lamb. Yeah, yeah. He so so it, it, it's not an unusual thing. It's just uh, not not particularly common. So I'm I'm pleased to see that. I'm pleased to hear that, and I can't wait to to see how all that shakes out. Just incidentally, I think the offense is going to take off running right away. So they got – Schottenheimer didn't have half as much talent in Seattle when he took that job that he has here now. Plus, he's got skins on the wall having some success up there. Yeah. Uh, that he – the success. So I expect them to hit the ground running, man, because, you, know, you know, all of this about the, the offense taking a step back. Not a step back, man, if it's, if it's more efficient and it's more reliable and it's more dependable. I think Not that's the goal. Back. I think that's yeah, the yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I've heard people talking all this, and these people that are supposed to be quote unquote knowledge on TV. I, I, you know, not scoring points, man. Yeah, you know, who, who talking about not scoring? And they, but I almost think they purposefully playing that, you know, scoring points is, is what. No, it's, it's, it's can you win the football game? Do you need to manage what you're doing uh, in, in relation to that? Yeah, the, the Cowboys had scored thirty points. A lot of times couldn't maintain the lead because they didn't have a way to protect their defense. A lot of times. I think the national media, if that's what you're talking about, I think they missed the boat on that one. They missed the point of what he was saying. And and I think one thing about Mm -hmm. McCarthy, he's not a he's not a media guy. Now he's learning. He's learning in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Boy, you you kinda gotta watch what you say. Uh but I also (laughs) think he's leaning into the other side of that. Like, oh, this is what y'all running with? Okay. I'm going to purposely say this. Okay. But but then there's times where he kind of just gets in his bag and he's just really comfortable and, he, and he's talking ball and he's excited about it. And 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 look, man, his headlines, he, he brought up the whole, you know, I'm not trying to be the leading scorer. I'm trying to be the number one team. And, and all the, the, the outlets thought about was, what are you talking about, man? You, you want to score 70 points per game. When in reality, what he was saying, if, the, if they finished what he was talking about, was being better situationally, uh, playing complimentary football, and I mean, how can you argue with 
wanting to be the number one team? What if the number one team means you're the seventh highest scoring offense, the number two scoring defense, and you come out the season 14 and three? Like, yeah. you know, give me a break. Yeah, it, it, it's just crazy to me. Again, I I never liked this idea of it was a kind of a it was kind of a split conversation when the offense looks good and everybody would say, hey, it's the number one, number two ranked defense. All of that praise went to Kevin Moore, and you could give it to him if you wanted to. But whenever the offense didn't work, or you know, Dak stats in that offense, well, Dak had the stats, and Dak getting the mm-hmm. garbage time. Well, you could you could say Kevin Moore getting garbage time stats too. Nobody said that. So it was I, never about it was never about the numbers. It was about the efficiency and the effectiveness. And yeah, so I, I don't. That's all. I, I don't think it's as fun for them to to provide context or evidence. Now NFL Live does a good job sometimes of breaking down the film, um, but but they'll take a play maybe or two. But I'm talking yeah. about situationally. It's not as fun and easy and low hanging fruit for them to to actually dissect the situational aspects of the team that held us back last year, whether it be from a personnel standpoint or from, from a schematic standpoint, a coaching standpoint, whatever. But it was far too many times where I've specifically come on this show. We said, hey, this 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 doesn't make any sense. We're not helping our guys doing this in this situation. So I, I think right. that's really the focus of McCarthy in this scheme this year. Well, I shouldn't say scheme, but from a situational standpoint, is he wants to be better there. And maybe that's why he's trying to do a more of a running scheme or whatever because – I now have something to dial back on. We talk about screens, exactly. right? We talk about easy buttons. Mm-hmm. These things are probably going to be put back in into play, and we just did not have easy buttons over the last four seasons. We didn't. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and one more thing, I like the the aspect of having a, an idea. I'm, we're going to run, and then we'll see what we do in the pass game. The run will set up our pass game. That's kind of basic. But uh, just real quick, if, when you looked at what Kansas City did in the Super Bowl, they are thought of as a passing team, and they are. But they pass the ball so well that when they run the ball, it's effective because you're not you're not really defending them for the run. You're defending well. them for the pass. So you're, so you're backing up off the line of scrimmage. You're, you're you're creating gaps. So I don't want to take anything away from the running back that they had over there. But that's why a system works. System right. elevates players. System elevates players. All this nonsense about you need and you no 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 doubt you need players. It's a professional league. You can never have too much talent. But I, hey, you can waste talent when you don't have an idea what the hell to do. with it. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they actually attack this offense because the the West Coast principles are, are not run to set up the pass. It's actually you're you're, you're yeah. passing to set up the run, but exactly. it, it's exactly. clear that McCarthy is, is trying to combine some some type of balance in that. And, and you can be balanced in, in, in the West Coast. I'm not saying you can't be unbalanced, but we might uh-huh. we might have to look at the possibility of you know, swing passes and, and, and legitimate legitimate targets to the to the running backs, like real targets, not, A, I'm going deep, nothing's there, I'm going to the left, nothing's there, I'm going intermediate, nothing's there, check now. I'm talking about, right. okay, we're coming out, we see we got one-on-one with this linebacker, come on, man. It's either touchdown to Cooks here, or I'm going to check this thing, not check it down, or I'm going to swing this thing to TP or Deuce Vaughn. So I think those those extended handoffs have to be accounted for as well. But when they do decide to run, I'm hoping, and it sounds like they actually have a running scheme, and man, that just lights my that just lights me up. Right, exactly. Hey, it's just how you want to be eating, my friend. Bake the fries. Yep. <laughs> I'm hoping we can get a, back. Was you here? Was you here a couple years ago where I had my button? Uh, how do you want it? 
I don't think I would, man. I've oh. only joined like in the past year, so I might have okay. missed it, man. Oh, have... we man, you missed it, dog. When we was when we was hitting on all <laughs> cylinders, well, what was it? Well, we started off seven and one or something like that in twenty twenty one. We was firing on uh, all cylinders, man. I, I thought Kellen Moore turned the page, <laughs> and we we was running, we was throwing, and, and we we had a, we had fun with how do you want it, man? Right, right, right. Well, well, you know, Kellen kind of told on himself. You remember what he said? I do remember that he did. He did say that we can beat you any way we want to. We we can beat you any way we want to. Well, but that yeah. that kind of that kind of did betray a, a, a kind of a simplistic notion on him that he mm-hmm. could just do what he wanted, you know, and and so. So he, he, he kind of didn't have a fallback going out. But, hey, man, let me let you get to other people. Thank Good you for stuff. taking my call. And I uh, appreciate you, man. Yes, Keep sir. it up. Thank you, brother. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, he did kind of – he, he, he low-key did kind of give it away. Um, and what you kept seeing throughout the the years was, yeah, we had fun. Well, how do you want it? But then teams was like, oh, I know exactly how you're fitting to come out here and, and, and implement it. So they they decided to trick things up. Once it became you don't have a scheme, you got plays, uh, and, and you're basically allowing us to dictate what you're going to do every time. Oh yeah, well then we'll just roll coverage, or we'll just disguise this, disguise that, and then now once protection starts to break down or blocking starts to break down, it becomes even easier. And if it's one thing that we should prepare ourselves for, maybe that which we'll do next here with offensive line is that there may be some offensive line adversity. How do you respond? And for three years, I kept saying that the best way to respond to offensive line adversity is to be able to help schematically running the ball. You don't always have to have the best horses up front, but damn it, you got to have a plan to how to use what you got. You know, and then too many times I just was remembering these games. I'm like, look, I get it. We're not the best run blocking team right now due to injuries and whatnot. But but you can't treat these dudes like this is 2014. You got to get them moving. And it wasn't like I was just saying that. I would show evidence from earlier in the season when you're moving these guys and you're being a bit more creative on the ground. I think we'll get that back this year. But that's a whole other discussion. But if we want to tie it into the tight ends, the tight ends will be a part of, I think, helping improve that run game and the offense in general. Man, good stuff today, y'all. Appreciate y'all for uh, joining. Let's see here. Bow. If you are feeling the State of the Unit series or today's show in general, please hit that like button. If you feel what we do here on A to Z Sports Dallas and you want to be part of the Bomb Squad, you got to hit that subscribe button. Got to hit that subscribe button. Shout out to the Mod Squad as well, man. Uh, have fun. I-, I love doing these type of shows. Again, tomorrow we'll take a break from State of the Unit and we'll kick it with Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com for our weekly segment of The Scientific Method, a.k.a. Will Sky and The Science Guy. We will talk about what he is looking for down there at OTA. So it'll be day three, day three. So they'll, they'll be, this isn't like their feet is getting wet. Their feet wet. Now they done dipped in the pool. There's no time for play play. These guys aren't going out there to be laughing and, and he, he, and they're implementing things to try to get ready for mini camp in a couple weeks. And then obviously training camp when we, you know, after the hiatus, which I'm not looking forward to. So we'll talk to Pat about that tomorrow. 
Uh, and then Friday, maybe we'll get our, our girl Aisha back on to talk about what she saw down at uh, OTAs because they they won't be able to see him until tomorrow, which I hate that. I hate Dallas does that, man. I hate it, but it is what it is. Man. It is what it is. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one, Mendoza. Appreciate y'all, man. Uh, if you missed this show, you definitely got to run this back. I hope that I was able to, to to make you feel a little bit better about the room. Some people are a little upset still about the pick, but I can't blame you. You know, you wanted who you wanted. It didn't happen. But I do think there is something to this room that that you will you'll like. And I think you'll like it by the end of preseason. I'm going to say that. Well, by, by the time preseason is over, I think we'll feel better about the tight end room moving forward. With that said, I'm going to press this button and get that up out of here, man. Good stuff today. Y'all are fantastic. Remember, no show on the volume this week. We'll be back, I believe, next week. But Mo will be back on tonight for ADZ Sports Primetime. And right after this, I think I'm going to be dropping our dot talk where we talked about one of these tight ends. We out of here. Love y'all.